0: And all to season two of Horror Palooza, the chunky chainsaw clogging meat of horror podcasts. For those of you who are new, welcome. And if you listened to season one last year, welcome back. My name is Sir Ian Dangerous, aka your Uncle Frank. And you can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous or at Skinless Wonder. And on IG at Sir Ian Dangerous, if you want to find me on the social medias. So, what is Horror Palooza? Why are you listening to me? Why should you continue to listen to me? Well, every October, I set myself the task of watching 31 horror movies, and that's one for every day of the month. So it's basically a big old horror marathon. And I set myself some rules It would be really easy to just pick a whole bunch of really good horror movies and watch those But I set myself some rules for this I can't watch any movie that I have seen in the previous five years I can't watch more than one of the same franchise If I watch like five Chucky movies It only counts as one movie And I have to have at least three languages Other than English represented in that marathon I have to have at least one film from every decade, from the pre nineteen forties to the present—in other words, nineteen forties and before the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, eighties, nineties, aughts, and the current decade—that's eight decades. I've got to cover. I have to have at least one movie from every one of those decades. They all have to be horror movies, and they all have to be watched in October. I can't put one off till November. So those are my those are my rules, and this podcast is dedicated. <laughs> To spreading the word about those movies, do I recommend them? Should you avoid them like the plague? And if you do feel the same way as I do about them, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram and let me know if I'm if I'm way off base or if I'm preaching to the choir. Or if you if you watch one of them that I recommend and you think it's really good, then let me know. Tell me tell me that you liked it as well. And that's awesome. It's dedicated to horror movies, horror fandom, and watching a lot of really fun, gory stuff. Here in the month of October doesn't even have to be gory it just has to be horror related You know, just in the genre in general I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty loose with it uh, Just in order to, to be able to see A whole bunch of different kinds of movies And have a lot of fun with it So without uh, further ado I'm going to get into the first week of films The first seven ones I watched But uh, before I do that I do want to thank my musical contributors That opening song you heard was by The Tiki Creeps and uh, the other sound effects that you're listening to on the show was done by 414 Beg. They are both on iTunes. And you can find the Tiki Creeps at tikicreeps.com And 414 Beg is also on Instagram. Uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Horrorpalooza on your podcast app of choice. We are everywhere. Thank you for checking us out. And you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Share us with your friends. All of the rest of that good stuff that you always hear From people that are doing podcasts or YouTube channels And all the rest of it Uh, We are on the Orbital Jigsaw Network At orbitaljigsaw.com And, as I said, you can find this show And other Orbital Jigsaw shows On iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify You know, all of that stuff If you like pro wrestling You can check out my other podcast It's called Busted Wide Open and that's where Nick Howell and I run down the news and hottest topics about WWE, New Japan, all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world of pro wrestling. But for this month, for October, it's Horror Palooza time. Uh, the first season of Horror Palooza is also still up on all those podcast apps. So if you want to hear what I did last year, you can listen to that. Uh, as well, that is still there, evergreen content, as they say. So uh, one more thing I want to do before getting into the show is to let you all know this is an interactive show. You can tweet me. I'm going to be doing uh, a couple of different interactive things on the show this year. You can tweet me right this week. You can tweet me your suggestions for the most underrated horror movie of all time, or just give me a bunch of underrated horror movies that you think don't get enough love, and recognition I've definitely got a bunch That I've seen In the last few years That I'm shocked Have fallen through the cracks I don't want to give you Any more than that So just tweet Tweet me At Skinless Wonder Or at Sir Ian Dangerous On Twitter And let me know What you think Are some of the best Underrated horror movies Of all time And I will read those out Right here over the coming Couple of weeks So let's get into the meat Of the show And start this count up, this uh, this marathon that I'm doing. Day one, I started off with one of my favorite uh, horror genres, subgenres: Hammer horror films. I love Hammer horror films immensely. That it, to me, it screams Halloween and uh, and horror movies in general. I started off this year with Scars of Dracula. Which is not, mm, not one of the best Dracula movies of all time But certainly not one of the worst I, had, I actually had never seen it before And I finally got it on Blu-ray this year uh, Beautiful restoration on Blu-ray It's directed by Roy Ward Baker Who did a lot of the Dracula films It is not linearly connected to the previous Draculas So you can watch it Having no idea what else has happened in the Dracula movies. That's not uncommon with the Hammer horror films where they would just be like, bah, we're, we're back. And nothing that already has happened really matters to this movie. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, in the previous movie, he died in a church in England. And now all of a sudden he's being resurrected in a crypt in some small village, we assume, in Transylvania. Uh, so, and, and the way he's brought back is just. In, in this movie, it's really sad. Basically, a vampire bat pukes blood on Drac's pile of red ashes and he comes back to life and that's the beginning of the movie and boom, Dracula's back and here we go, we're off again. But, Dracula is portrayed in this movie as he was in all these Hammer movies by Christopher Lee. and So right there, that's, for me, worth the price of admission. Unfortunately, as I said, this was really when Drac started to suck, for real. Uh, the not... As good as, like, say, ha- horror of Dracula, or, so the or ones that came before. This. This, was, this was 1970 when this movie came out, and they were starting. Hammer horror was starting to put out more movies with with more explicit gore and a bit more sexuality. You've got some bare butts in this movie, for example, and a lot more cleavage. But they weren't quite ready to step over the line with this movie just yet. Although, for the time, it is pretty gory. I will say, 50 years later. It it's nowhere near as uh, as intense as it would have been back then. At the time, it was very explicit, but these days it's pretty it's pretty mild. the uh, the The plot's straightforward. Drac comes back, he kills a bunch of villagers, and then there's some oversexed, insipid twenty somethings. Uh, one of them gets trapped in Dracula's castle by accident, and the others come looking for him and have a face-off with Dracula. And unlike in other Dracula movies, when you do have Peter Cushing, you you really miss Peter Cushing here because no one really feels like they're on Dracula's level. This is a movie where Christopher Lee is given more to do as Dracula than I think he ever has before. He's given a bunch of lines. He's given a bunch of cool scenes. Uh, he's just generally a badass in this movie. And as I said, he's the reason to watch it because it's certainly... Isn't for anybody else In this film And the way he goes out At the end Is 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 pretty bad But that being said It is entertaining Just for Christopher Lee For the very Time You know At the time Very extreme gore But uh, aside from that not, not the best Dracula movie Unless like me You're a completionist And you just want to see All of them Some of the other Good things about it The soundtrack Theme is great The uh, you know if if you don't mind the fact that it's very dated it is very explicit and extreme and there's like a scene where dracula brands his manservant with a with a burning sword and it's there's some cool stuff and the fact that christopher lee is just he's big pimp drac in this there's the the main male character and his fiance get to drac's castle and drac basically he just he turns into Take your chick Straight out from under your armpit The Drac Brad Pit. He just takes this girl Sweeps her off her feet And walks out of the room And the main character left sitting there Staring after him Going Oh well um, Dracula's taking my girl I guess I'll just uh, I'll bet down for the night It's In that sense It's very entertaining uh, But uh, Aside from that Unless you really like This kind of movie I would say You're probably okay Skipping it Day 2 I had Creep Now there's a bunch of movies called Creep out there There's there's a couple couple on Netflix Creep 1 and Creep 2 They're found footage films There's one from the 90s This is from 2004 It's a British film And uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime It's written and directed by Christopher Smith Who if you ever saw Black Death with Sean Bean Same director So this movie was a little earlier in his career It's a little less ambitious It's just an unlikable party girl Who falls asleep in the London tube uh, Their their version of the subway And wakes up unable to get out It's been locked, it's after hours So she's in there She thinks, alone And as she tries to escape Things go from bad to mm, much, much worse And that's an understatement I was actually not prepared for how far this movie went. You you think it's one thing and it definitely pulls the rug out from underneath your feet. Now the party girl is played by Franca Potente who if you're if you're up on your 90s stuff, she was run she was Lola from Run Lola Run. Uh, she was also Jason Bourne's girlfriend in the very first Jason Bourne movie. She's great. She looks good running as we know from her her oeuvre. So that's that's a handy this movie cuz she does a lot of running. And the upside of this movie is that it's really grimy. And the acting is pretty solid across the board. It's uh, aside from a couple of stumbles, but it's it's solid. It's a solid watch in that sense. Unfortunately, there are some things that are very cliched. There's a there's some stretches that are just you know beat for beat horror movie cliches. And there's some things that are just wildly illogical character decisions and motivations and scenes that you just go oh sure right. Uh, but at the same time, if you just sit back and don't think too hard. It's actually a very nasty little movie, and I mean that in the best sense. I mean that it gets when it when it flips on you, it flips really hard, and it goes. It definitely goes very far. Uh, I shout out really quickly to uh, Paul Rattray, who played Jimmy, the homeless guy, uh, who's of course he's Scottish. This is the nineties, so he has to be a junkie. We're in the era of train spotting here, but uh, but he was quite good, and he didn't really ever do anything else. With his career although he did show up as a car stark in Game of Thrones but uh but he's he's very good very natural I gotta throw out one for him. The only thing I'll say just to kind of put a, a capper on this one is that around this time a little bit later actually the French were starting to do some really nasty things as well um over over in the French new extreme movement, and this I feel like was not, maybe not reactionary But definitely informed by that feeling And I, I have the feeling that this movie Would have actually gone to 11 it, I think it stays around like a 9 or a 10 In terms of intensity But it could have gone to 11, I think And if the French had gotten a hold of it I think it would have um, But it definitely feels a little bit like Some of those gnarly French movies From around the mid-2000s In certain scenes So that's, And that's to me that's high praise so Creep 2004 if you want just a kind of not it's not going to blow your mind but it's damn solid and worth a look if you're if you're kind of at your wits end for movies to watch. Day 3 was Lair of the White Worm and that's on Amazon Prime you can rent that. It's actually I, th- I believe it's yeah it's on Amazon Prime. So you have Prime, you can watch it. It's directed by Ken Russell. And right there if you know who Ken Russell is, then you know Kind of what you're in for here You're in for some insanity And this is this was way more fun Than I thought it was going to be I I have just recently watched Ken Russell's The Devils If you can find a copy of that Good luck But <laughs> that's about as extreme As Ken Russell gets This one he tamped it down a little bit It feels like a little bit more of a Not a studio picture But it's you can tell there's people Trying to make him make A little bit more of a mainstream movie This is ba- a story based on A Bram Stoker uh, uh, novel They did change a lot of things The time frame uh, And certain events But the the basic idea is still there And that is uh, a young archaeologist And this little local lord Uh, I should point out The archaeologist is played by Peter Capaldi You may know him if you watch Doctor Who And Hugh Grant You may have heard of him They're both extremely, extremely young in this and you can see why they both became famous actors They're, they're awesome um, Hugh Grant is basically every Hugh Grant character You've ever seen him play Just younger So on the, on the brink of becoming Hugh Grant in this movie the, Those two along with a couple of plucky sisters Uncover this ancient pagan worm sex cult And hilarity ensues And I mean that literally This is very tongue in cheek It's very very campy they obviously had a lot of fun making this And it's, as most Ken Russell movies are It's bat shit insane There are moments in this movie that are Can only be described as a hallucinogenic fever dream uh, But at the same time it doesn't make it any less horrifying In some scenes where there's some, some pretty spooky stuff So it is very, very strange It's, it's genuinely disturbing in parts uh, and at one point, Peter Capaldi wears a kilt and saves the day by playing the bagpipes. I really, that alone, I think, endears this movie to me the most. But I cannot recommend this movie enough. If you want just a goofy mid 80s movie, it's 1988 this movie was made. If, uh, if you want just an absolute bizarre, campy, fun, sexy 80s movie to put on and just laugh your ass off. This one is this one is the one for you, uh, but just keep in mind this is the '80s. Some of the practical effects are absolute garbage, and it's that's what I think that adds to the uh, to the ambiance. So definitely recommend Layer of the White Worm. I had a lot of fun with that one. I can't say I recommend the movie from Day Four, which was King of the Zombies from 1941. That's also on Amazon Prime. Uh, the Directed by Gene Yarbrough Who was basically a B-movie And Abbott and Costello guy All he did was B-movies And then a bunch of Abbott and Costello stuff Which it actually makes sense Because this movie is a comedy I, was not, I did not know they did zombie comedies Back in those days uh, At least unless it was Abbott and Costello in it But this is a comedy It's actually very vaudeville In a lot of ways Uh, And you can see where the director's Comedy bent pays off In the sense that this movie's actually pretty funny A few times The only problem is it's also Wildly Wildly racist Uh, Very much a product of its time In the worst way possible It's it's every 40's B-movie plot you can imagine Rolled up into one It's two painfully white guys And their black valet slash Buddy slash servant They all crash on a Caribbean island And a local mad scientist Nazi spy Takes them into his zombie infested mansion While he's also trying to extract War info from their commanding officer Who they had been on the search for In the plane in the first place So very very straightforward Yet slightly convoluted plot And all I can really say is that If you are any kind of PC person in this modern age you, this movie's gonna make you absolutely insane. It's, it's basically the the crows from Dumbo turned up all the way to eleven. It's, the, it's. I feel awful because Mantan Moreland, who plays the African American guy that goes to the island with them, is actually a wildly talented comedian. He's genuinely funny. It's just the tropes that he's doing, which is basically the the mammy, uh, as I said, you know, the, the crows from Dumbo kind of. Vaudeville stuff, uh, minstrel show kind of kind of act, and it's too bad because his com- his comedic timing is spectacular. He's the best character in the movie. He's given all the best lines. He has all the best moments, but they're just so wrapped up and melted into the comedy of the time and the perception of the time that it's you can you'll laugh because it's 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 a funny. You know the line is is timed funny, or or he says it in a funny way, or he has a funny expression, but then you also cringe and recoil because at the same time, you also know how offensive the caricature that he's playing is. So it's it is a bit of a uh, a tough watch at times, and also I have to say that it's unfortunately aside from him, there's nothing really worthwhile in this movie. Originally, Henry Victor uh, Henry Victor's character, the evil the evil doctor. Evil uh, Dr. Sangre which I believe is probably uh, ripped off a little bit from White Zombie when Bela Lugosi played Murder Legendre Uh, but this Dr. Sangre was supposed to be played by Bela Lugosi and uh, you have an Austrian guy with a French name played by a Brit in this movie and he's just very stuffy, not very charismatic and I feel like if Bela Lugosi had played this part, it would have been one more thing to make this movie even better but uh, as it is, it's at best MST3K fodder or uh, Rift Tracks fodder, I guess they're called now, uh, and and that's if it hasn't already been done. I don't. I think they probably haven't done it because even they would have a hard time getting around all of just the insane racism in this movie. But so definitely watch, but brace yourself. Day five, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Speaking of bracing yourself. Brace yourself for this one This is a 2016 movie It's on Netflix And uh, it was directed by Andre Overdahl, Who also did Troll Hunter Which is another fantastic movie But where Troll Hunter Was a found footage movie This is a straight up Horror movie it is, it is a really just Well done Tight Claustrophobic Intense movie Horror movie And I cannot recommend this Highly enough It might be the best movie I've seen So far This year The plot is Relatively straightforward It is uh, This perfect Nude female corpse Is found Half buried At a scene Of a multiple homicide And then When it's taken To the coroner's office Or rather The uh, the building It's, it's a, it's a family owned Coroner's office And they, they work In this creepy old house And it's a father and son pair of corners and they're trying to determine what killed her and as they're performing an autopsy supernatural shit starts happening and everything goes off the rails I another movie I was not ready for where they went with this and it was awesome it's very understated for most of the time it plays out at its own pace but it keeps tense the entire movie Uh, except for the cat jump scare A a cat jump scare in 2016 Okay Uh, It's earned It's earned But still I always look sideways At a movie that has a cat jump scare Even Alien And that had three cat jump scares Damn it Jonesy Um, Another quick shout out It does have an incinerator in it So those of you who are fans Of Return to Living Dead You can start singing Burn the Flames Just like me When you see the incinerator In the coroner's office Anyway uh, so this movie is not for the squeamish, as you probably could tell by the title. There, it is some very, very extreme autopsy stuff. It's unpleasant. It's squirm-inducing, but it's never gratuitous. It never goes over the top into really uh, over, over, over showing us things. It shows us just enough to make us uncomfortable and wince, and it never gets just like uh, glorifying the autopsy itself. Uh, but. That just lays the foundation For everything else that goes on in this movie the All the crazy shit that starts happening And then where the movie goes You're just on the edge of your seat From Once it gets going You're just You're stuck The only problem is It does get a little bit hackneyed And over scripted at the end uh, But that's That is a minor nitpick The actors are good enough to sell it You've got Brian Cox Playing the dad You've got Emile Hirsch playing the son and you have Bruce Bolton from Game of Thrones as the cop. Anyway, but Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch are enough to sell the end of this movie. They're fantastic. So I I very, very highly recommend uh, The Autopsy of Jane Doe and a quick shout out to Olwen Kelly who plays Jane Doe, who plays the corpse. Doesn't move pretty much the entire movie. That's... I can't imagine how hard it must have been to... Sit on a table Naked for an entire movie And not breathe And, and the, the things that she does In this movie are amazing Or the lack of things I should say So day six Day six I had a 1996 movie You can find on Amazon Prime Called Bad Moon The best werewolf movie You've never seen It was written and directed By Eric Red, Who also wrote Hitcher And my, one of my favorite vampire movies Near Dark And uh, I'll tell you right now, if you're not 100% on board with this movie after the first five minutes, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why you're here right now. It's it's like that five minutes is like a short film of genius horror. It's it's an entire horror film in five minutes, and then it just goes from there. Then it, it, it takes it down a notch, and we start ramping back up to the main story, which is that... A guy gets turned into a werewolf and decides his best course of action is to hang out in his trailer at the property of his sister and her son and their German Shepherd up in Alaska. Uh, The German, here's the crazy thing about this movie the, the very unique take on the whole genre in this movie. The German Shepherd is actually the main character, he's also the bestest boy. Who's the bestest boy? He's the bestest boy, and he's not having any of this werewolf bullshit. And the whole movie becomes a, a war of wills between a German shepherd and a guy who's turning into a werewolf. Uh, if Right there, if that doesn't intrigue you, move on. That, it's, it's fantastic, and the way that they play it out is at turns campy and fun and hilarious. And then sometimes it's actually really chilling and affecting. There were times in this movie where I genuinely felt emotionally connected to the dog. It helps that I'm a dog lover, but at the same time, if you are any kind of person who can't stand seeing animals in peril, this movie's going to be tough because they do a really good job of selling the German Shepherd, and the German Shepherd's also a fantastic actor, a dog actor. So it's it, there are some tough scenes. When it, comes to the, when it comes to the dog And his acting You've also got Mario Hemingway Playing the mom And she's just She chews nails In this movie She's awesome Her first scene is her Just verbally eviscerating a guy And then uh, As the werewolf himself You've got Michael Paré Who If you've watched Any of the Blood Rain movies You might recognize him uh, Uwe Ball is one of, It's one of his favorite actors But he's actually Very serviceable in this He's very melodramatic But that actually works Really well with the movie so the, the dynamic of having the dog as the male lead is, is really fresh A lot of the tropes aren't But that take on it makes this movie very, very entertaining It's very fun uh, I had a blast watching this And frankly, the action scenes are, are nice and hard-hitting uh, the, It's edited really well in those scenes And I'll, I'll be damned if that werewolf suit Isn't one of the best ones I've ever seen It looks spectacular the werewolf itself is great Now there is a there is a transformation scene As there is in any good werewolf movie And this is not But this is a decent werewolf movie And the transformation scene is God awful It actually might be one of the worst transformation scenes I've ever seen We were in the mid 90's And digital effects were not what they are today And it's, it's It actually might be worth seeing Just to laugh your head off at the transformation scene Luckily there's a lot more good stuff in the movie to see But man It's, it's painful they, they really should have retitled this movie uh, Bad Moon and the Bestest Boy Who's the Bestest Boy Yes, the, the, the book is called Thor Which is the name of the dog So that should tell you all you need to know So check out Bad Moon If you want a werewolf movie That will entertain the crap out of you That you probably haven't seen Because that is definitely a hidden gem and finally this week, I watched Hagazusa, yes, Gazuntite. Hagazusa, H-A-G-A-Z-U-S-S-A uh, A Heathen's Curse From 2017 It's on Amazon Prime But it's kind of hard to find It's a little under the radar It's a The best way I can put it is It's a German art house film And it is a, it's a young woman Being raised in the 15th century High up in the Alps and she's being tormented by her neighbors. She was abused by her mom. And she's going crazy because of isolation and uh, multiple other factors, which you kind of have to watch the movie to understand. Because this movie is from the Panos Cosmatos school of movie making, where everything, it's it's a glacial pace. It has its own pace for everything. And very dreamlike. Uh, definitely not. If you're a fan of Blumhouse movies, don't, don't watch this movie. It's not for you. It is... Very meditative, slow. You were questioning timelines and perceptions and if things are actually happening or not, trying to figure out what's reality and what's not uh, because this the main character is kind of a unstable narrator. You're not sure what you're perceiving of hers that's reality and what's not. Um, so it's it's kind of Germany's answer to The Witch where it's dealing with uh, the church And the tension Between the church And and people who don't Believe in the strict Moral rules of the church And society And all of that But it's way Less propulsive Than The Witch The Witch I feel Which is one of the best movies of the last 20 years uh, In horror cinema I believe Is The Witch is very good But it's also In its own way Entertaining. It's there to entertain you. This movie's not here to entertain you. This movie's here to be an experience. And afterwards, you probably will be left unsettled and wondering what you've just watched. Uh, But I found that afterwards, like after I contemplated it, the more I thought about this movie, the more I liked it because I felt it was dealing with a lot of very strong uh, ideas. And I feel like the more, if I watched it again, if I were to watch it again, I would get more out of it but it would be a tough watch because it is as I said it moves at its own pace and there are some very uncomfortable scenes in it but uh, I definitely recommended if you don't mind a slower movie a thoughtful movie an intense movie but definitely a a much more slow pace than we're used to in modern cinema Uh, if you saw Mandy and you liked Mandy you might be able to handle this one but uh, just a a word of warning very good movie, but not for everyone so that is week one of Horror Palooza in the books we 've got seven movies out of the way uh, in those seven movies i've knocked out somehow i've knocked out six of my at eight decades already i 've only got to do the fifties and sixties left. This is the first time i've been doing this for for years almost a decade now, only two years of podcast but decade of doing this horror movie marathon and this is I think the first time I've been this ahead on the decades within the first week so yay me and then uh, I had one German film so I got one of the three languages down so I am doing pretty well pretty well on the old rule book here that I've set for myself so off to a good start so uh, before we get out of here I do want to read off my list of the top 10 horror movies of the 90s but before I do that don't forget To tweet me At Sir Ian Dangerous Or at Skinless Wonder Your picks For your favorite Underrated horror movies I'm going to read those out Next week And if there's some I don't know about I want to check them out too I've still got plenty of room This year I don't plan out This marathon in advance It's day to day I never know what I'm going to watch So Throw me some bones Maybe I'll pick one of them up Hit me up On the tweets So here we go The top 10 movies top 10 horror movies of the 90s first a couple of honorable mentions almost made the list but just couldn't quite fit on there Blair Witch Project I know a lot of people are going to say it should be in the list because of where it stands in horror cinema but sorry to tell you it's not that good of a movie it's 87 minutes of people running around the forest crying and three minutes of shit happening so it is I totally appreciate where it stands in horror cinema but uh, and, and how important it is but uh, sorry not that good of a movie and I saw it in the theater uh, another honorable mention Cemetery Man uh, aka uh, De La Morte De La More, which is um, that's an underrated one I think a lot of people haven't seen it, it's one of the great zombie movies of all time and uh, worth checking out if you haven't seen it but didn't quite get into the top 10 uh, another one I love from the 90's is Tom Savini's remake of Night of the Living Dead Where he takes it from being a social justice movie To being a feminist movie And also ramps up the gore and the intensity And I think makes a better movie Fight me I think it's a better movie than Night of the Living Dead The original So if you haven't seen Tom Savini's remake, ch- remake Check it out Also uh, I've got on the honorable mentions I've got Nightbreed from Clive Barker Cube and The Craft for you witchy ladies out there The Craft was definitely an awesome movie but didn't quite crack the top 10 so here we go at number 10 Scream Wes Craven's Scream I am personally not a fan of this movie because the irony in it makes me sick it's just way too pleased with itself Kevin Williamson Would go on to show us Just how much he thought Of himself in his, in his movie career As he went on to write More movies But this movie Definitely deserves To be on here Because it is It functions both As a snarky take On the slasher genre Up until the point It was released And it also Yet somehow Still functions As a, an effective Slasher movie And any movie That you kill off Your major marquee star In the first 20 minutes You automatically Get a bit of a pass From me That's, that's balls and it's one of Wes Craven's best movies So it's, it's really hard for me to argue That Scream should not be on A top 10 list of 90's horror films It is a very important film in horror movie history And it, it does manage I feel to rise above Some of its eh, Less appealing aspects And become an actually like a, a, a good horror movie And one that's worth remembering Number 9 And this is a movie I watched uh, last year I believe was Wishmaster? I don't know how I didn't watch this movie until just now, but if you haven't seen Wishmaster, then you are missing out. This movie is a freaking blast! It's a it's a genie that grants people's wishes. Only he's evil, so their wishes all turn on them. But in like the not in a fun way. It's awesome. It's got a great cast, and it's just a load of fun and great '90s goony practical effects. And it's a freaking blast. Go check out Wishmaster. Number eight, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's right. I'll defend this movie to my death. I freaking love this movie. Even with Keanu Reeves giving his second worst performance of all time. First worst, of course, being Much Ado About Nothing. But this is the absolute drizzling Shits of a Keanu Reeves performance, and one of my favorite Dracula movies of all time because it's goddamn Gary Oldman, and it's Winona Ryder, and it's Anthony Hopkins, and even Carrie Elwes shows up, and it's a fantastic cast, and it's just completely over the top, and Grand Guignol, and just gore everywhere, and it's operatic, and there's just it's absolute insanity. It's insanity and it looks fantastic if you get like a nice HD version of it. That's how ahead of its time this movie was is that even in HD it still looks fantastic and is intense and crazy and I love it so so very much. So Bram Stoker's Dracula at number 8, number 7 audition. And Takashi Mike I ugh, I would make this whole list Mike if he had more movies in the 90s but Audition is definitely the big one and that's one of the big one big ones of his movies if you want to introduce people to Takashi Mike Audition is probably one of the best ways to do it because it is the one that I would say really put him on the map you could say Ichi the Killer if you want you could you could say uh uh Channel Q. What this is the really the one that most I think people in the West know, and most people in general know because it is, I think, the most straightforward of his movies, and it's also just so so brutal, so vicious that they're like it. It works for people who are not big into horror because they lose their minds, and it works for people that are into horror because they're impressed. So yeah, audition had to be on this list. It is a nasty little piece of work, and it's also a fantastic movie. Number six, maybe high on the list, but uh, I do have some major love for this movie, Event Horizon. And I really do think this movie is massively underappreciated. And the more people find out about it, the more people realize exactly how underappreciated this movie was. It was a bomb when it came out, and people are starting to come back around on it because they didn't realize it's it's Hellraiser in space, basically. It's Hellraiser meets Alien, and if that's not peanut butter and chocolate, I don't know what is. Not only that, you got Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, it's if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Stop, drop, go watch Event Horizon. Just gory, gross, awesome sci-fi, uh, spooky film in space. Lovecraftian. Yeah, it's it's just all around. An awesome movie. Uh, it's too bad that the director went on to do Resident Evil and Alien vs. Predator because he, he was he was doing so well. He was doing so well with this movie. Uh, number five. Speaking of Lovecraft, In the Mouth of Madness, the only John Carpenter movie from the '90s worth watching. That's right, I said it. In the Mouth of Madness is I one of my favorite John Carpenter movies in general because it is just such a love letter. To Lovecraft and I think it's the only movie that really is that is completely whole cloth on its own not a Lovecraft movie and yet it has so many of Lovecraft's tropes and does them so well where it just it really pulls off the feel of a Lovecraft story even down to the main character being almost a secondary player in a larger story so it's a, a fantastic movie Sam Neill again is Awesome in it, and uh, even have like guest stars from Charlton Heston. Uh, it's fantastic. It makes me want to go watch it right now. Even thinking about it, I love in the mouth of madness. Number four, Candyman. Candyman, one of the greatest horror themes of all time. Tony Todd's greatest performance. Beautiful movie. Like one of the uh, one of the most romantic horror movies ever, and uh, also one of the scariest. I know people that are still unable to look in the mirror And even say the the word Candyman once So this is I I think this is a no brainer Candyman has to be on this list It's too bad that they never really made another Candyman movie Anywhere near as good as the first one And I I know that uh, uh, They're about to make a remake Of it uh, With uh, The Jordan Peele's about to make a remake of it And I'm very nervous Uh, Jordan Peele's definitely shown he he can do the work But I don't know man Candyman's a tough one We'll see uh, It's too bad It won't be Tony Todd Because it really should be Because he is just Candyman to me Number three Jacob's Ladder And this is one they remade recently too And I haven't seen the remake But the fact that they put it out With no fanfare And it's just automatically available to rent Makes me real nervous about it Because I don't know If you can recreate this movie And also in my opinion This is one of another one of the movies That's very underrated In terms of the effect it had On the horror genre Um when I was a kid this was one of the scariest movies you could watch it's not so scary anymore now it's just intense and disturbing but it is in my opinion they, there are still movies that rip off the hospital scene at the end to this day and the way that it slowly builds and gives you all the information you need to know within the first 20 minutes but then you still don't know the real story until the end just a brilliant brilliant movie and one that I think needs to be appreciated more Number two, Silence of the Lambs. It's the only horror movie to sweep the Oscars. I feel like it has to be on a list of the top movies of the 90s, top horror movies of the 90s. So Silence of the Lambs, I really don't need to explain it. It speaks for itself. It's Silence of the Freaking Lambs. It started the serial killer procedural genre. Uh, It created one of the most impressive monsters of all time in Hannibal. The Cannibal, Hannibal Lecter, and he still is getting TV shows today so and and making money. So yeah, Sounds of the Lambs speaks for itself. Don't need to say any more about that. Of course, it's on this list. And number one, the best horror movie of the '90s is Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, aka Dead Alive. To me, this is the movie that's just all about the joy of horror cinema from beginning to end. It's it's hilarious. It's disgusting. It's wildly gory and it's also completely batshit insane which to me, that makes a perfect horror movie. Uh, the fact that this is the guy that went on to direct Lord of the Rings is and, and sweep the Oscars, 12 Oscars for Lord of the Rings. This guy did that is one of the most mind-blowing things in cinema history. I remember being a fan of Peter Jackson's in college when this movie came out and we were all and then we found out that Peter Jackson was going to be directing Lord of the Rings and we were all talking to each other and saying how in the who what studio head gave this guy 300 million dollars well whoever it was was a genius because this guy with the imagination that you see in Braindead that's where the imagination that brought about Lord of the Rings came from the imagination in in this movie the practical effects um, working with his special effects group that he started to make movies like this To make himself bigger So that he could do movies Like The Frighteners so He could do movies Like Lord of the Rings This It, it, it started On bad taste um, You know A movie where he was Making it on the weekends It then got even more crazy In Meet the Feebles Which is Probably one of the most Insane movies I've ever seen And then this is really Where he just blew the top off And I don't I really don't think Anyone else Has come close Since To the sheer level Of madness Unleashed In this movie And also It's one of the greatest Zombie movies Of all time So yeah My pick for the best Horror movie of the 90s Is Peter Jackson's Brain Dead Check it out If you haven't seen it If you're in the United States It's called Dead Alive Whatever you do Don't watch the R-rated version When it was first Brought over here They cut the crap out of it So much so that The last act Is incomprehensible Find the unrated version Watch that It is so worth it whatnit whatever you do don't eat spaghetti while you watch it unless you have a stomach of steel so that is it ladies and gentlemen that's it for this week we've got our top 10 horror movies of the 90s we've got our first seven movies in the horror palooza marathon for 2019 tweet me your movies your underrated ho- horror movies let me know at sir ian dangerous or at skinless wonder on twitter i am uncle frank A.K.A. Sir Ian Dangerous Find me here next week on Horrorpalooza Or bi-weekly on the Busted Wide Open Pro Wrestling Podcast Thank you very much And we will see you next time Right here on